Hi, you're listening to Andrew Farris on NXS Access All Areas with Hayden and B. Check it out. In Excess Access All Areas, the podcast that is helping to get In Excess into the Rock Hall of Fame. But we need your help. We need you to share and send the love out. We need to create momentum and make some noise together and get In Excess nominated into the Rock Hall of Fame where they deserve to be. We have a fabulous patron program with lots of rewards, starting from as little as $5 all the way up to $30. Starting with the bronze, you will get a mention each week. Elevating to a silver, you will be able to enter the competition. Gold will give you further invites into our Zoom chats, which are awesome. Or you could become one of our amazing platinum members and get early uploads and a lot more. And if you can email inaccessaaagmail.com, your address, we will send you out a welcome pack. Thank you. Enjoy. Well, hello, welcome to NXS Access All Areas, episode 28, as we come off the last two episodes of a Nick Egan special. Uh, this is the podcast that dives deep into all things NXS, gets them towards the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, plus having fun and setting the record straight. B, that's a mouthful. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I wondered when I was going to be able to talk then. Yeah. yeah, I'm fine, mate. I really am fine. It feels like a while that we actually spoke, so it was actually quite nice to um, see your face again. Bit of a train ride of um, excitement with Nick Egan, hey? Well, look, I, I guess uh, putting that together uh, was done over the, over the last sort of three weeks and we sort of edited, edited some things and then we sort of packaged up our own content. But, uh, yeah, it feels like we've uh, in a weird way had a break, but we've still been able to get the regular weekly content out and um, I guess I'm going to say, how's your in excess sort of week and a half been, B? Always excessive, always. <laughs> yeah, so where do we start? I mean, there's just been some, I'll tell you what was funny, what was really funny was you, you took a photo of the, the package that I sent you. Oh. And within seconds, so you're in Melbourne, right? Yes, yes. And then I get a message from Foxy saying, mine's arrived. I yeah. was like, but you're in you're in the US. Yeah. And then I get a message from Joe Robbins in the UK saying, I've got mine today as well. So all three of you. It feels like Willy really Wonka and the Chocolate Factory all going yeah. on the same day. <laughs> all, the, all on the same day. And I was like, well, I didn't get anything. <laughs> well, I do like TV. There's a little bit of Mike TV probably in uh, my uh, uh, viewing uh, patterns of TV. So there you go. But yeah. um, And did you like your packet? I I always like my package, B. <laughs> yeah, stop it. <laughs> All right. Well, well, maybe Veruca Salt. Who could be Veruca Salt and Violet Virica? Mm, oh, I think I know, but they're nothing to do with me. Okay. <laughs> well, we did mention Nick Egan earlier. I think it's sort of, it feels like we've been on the, the Nick Egan tour recently. And uh, as we sort of said, he's such a kind-hearted guy. He, he made himself available last, uh, well, a couple of days ago for the chat room. And uh, I know those who are uh, patrons who could make it. Uh, got a lot out of just, I guess, in, in engaging and, and asking the questions to Nick B. 
Yeah, yeah. He was very lucky. He had a room full of women. There was no guys in there. Although uh, Dr. Jim did appear and then he disappeared again. But okay. And Pedro would like to come in. So I, I think we'll do it again, definitely. Yeah. Nick, Nick's quite eager to come back in and, and yeah. speak to you all. So um, yeah. we'll do that. It was really fun. It was really fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, I guess uh, for those who are checking our podcast out in different orders, you know, we've had Nick Egan on who essentially was the the guy who created the uh, Kick album cover, uh, the X album cover, uh, I think Live Baby Live or Low Baby Live cover, uh, heavily involved in the video production from people from Alanis Morissette to Bob Dylan to Iggy Pop. Uh, all amidst starting off working with the Sex Pistols and The Clash and some of the major luminaries of the uh, British music scene, B. Yeah, and he did Searching and yep. Don't Lose Your Head, which yep. are quite iconic now, aren't they? Yeah, so if you, if you are coming in on different orders and listening to this podcast series, go back to episode 26 and 27 and um, mm. as a famous Australian musician or music uh, head said, do yourself a favour. Uh, really, uh, I think the... The download downloads on those two podcasts oh. uh, are the highest averages we've had so far. Yeah. So thank you, Nick. Yeah, thank you, Nick. Thank you for all your uh, input. It's been great. Now, speaking of patrons who were invited in, we uh, would like to always, as we do, be uh, welcome our, our new and uh, our more experienced uh, patrons. So over to you. I'd like to say hello to everybody outside on the highway. Let's all say hello to everybody outside. It's about 10,000 people at least. Hello. All right, big hello to Pedro, Lisa Urban, Lisa Mack, Lisa Calloway. Uh, we got Foxy, Felicia, Sarah, Laurie, Carmen, Sudi, Matt Dean, Joe Robbins, Mandy, Linda, Anne Marie, Danielle, and we have Ali Law, we have Kathy, Carrie Ann, Virginia, Vern. Caroline, David Gaunt, and Amanda. And also want to give a bit of a shout out to Carmen, our very, very first uh, fan engager and patron. She's actually, uh, as uh, well, as the time of recording, she's been she's going to be heading out to uh, the Inexcessive concert and being given permission by, uh, I guess, the uh, management to hand out our new little Inexcess Access All Areas uh, business cards that do have a, a QR code on it so people can either take the card uh, or take a little picture of that code B and take themselves directly into the podcast. Yes, and please follow us and please heart us. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we did want to, I think, from Carmen's point of view, uh, just highlight, uh, I guess, from uh, the venue she's at and do a big sort of a th- uh, shout out and sort of thank you uh, to those who have let her go in. So uh, I'm going to read this thing out. I don't do voiceover reads, B, but I'm going to just read this out. Go on. Okay, so... Uh, Hi, B and Hayden, everyone and everyone out there. I just got permission from the manager of the Bully Heritage Hotel to hand out the podcast cards to the fans at the Inaccessive Tribute Show uh, that's being performed here tonight, okay, which is Friday, oh. Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th. Uh, yes. Uh, so if you could be kind to mention the Bully Heritage Hotel on your next yep. podcast, that would be great. Well, there you go, Bully Heritage Hotel. Thank you. Plug to you. Plug to Inexcessive. And we would love to think there are some listeners who get access to our QR code uh, and cards and are listening into this yeah. episode. Yeah. Can't wait to hear from them. The bully what? 
The Bully, the Bully Heritage Hotel. Okay, just wanted to hear it for the fifth it, time. It sounds like an intervention, <laughs> doesn't it? Bully or whatever there. But, you know, we are, in Aus- we are in Australia where we do have some yeah. interesting names on things. But, uh, yeah, it's time for what's, – what is it time for now, B? Hmm, the news, I reckon. Okay, news of the week. Hi, it's Carmen here from Wollongong, Australia. You're listening to the world's best in excess podcast, in excess access to all areas, and now it's time for the news. For a B News of the Week time, well, we did mention last week that it was the uh, G-O-A-T, and we did get asked by one of our patrons, what does G-O-A-T stand for? Well, it is greatest of all time, <laughs> or the GOAT. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of those acronyms that's sort of taken a life of its own. But uh, the greatest hits or best of album here in Australia has remained steady at 35 to 35. So didn't quite get the lift in the that's second week we thought, but it's still a holding yeah. steady uh, in the yep. charts. So uh, mm-hmm. that is worth acknowledging. Uh, in the US, I think it is going to be goodbye to Dua Lipa. Okay. The Ooh, In Excess rip-off cover sample royalties to the band song. It may be the last time we mention it unless there's an upsurge, but uh, it's gone from 44 to 50. So it's, it's, the, the, it's hanging in there on the, on the sort of threadbares of its reality, B. Okay, well, that to me, that means that Adele needs to release hers ready for Christmas. What do you reckon? <laughs> possibly, possibly. But what did strike my attention was that uh, two spots higher on the US charts this week is a song that is actually 37 years old, B. Mm. Now, it's a great you, song, though. Well, look, I did tell you before recording that it is 1983's Thriller, the song Thriller by yeah. MJ, uh, is, is sitting at number 48 on the charts. And it got me thinking, how on earth does a song 37, year, 37 years later reappear? Well, mm. it seems like it's been given a sort of, I guess, a, a second win by virtue of the Halloween period, B. So it ah. was a, a song used on a lot of ads and things over there. So yeah. uh, music mm-hmm. being downloadable these days and fluid, you don't have to go buy the tape or the actual physical item you can download. So yeah. it has had a bit of a resurgence there. Uh, and it does lead me to... Which, a, yes. Uh, it does lead me <laughs> to a very, very happy video that I think got sent to us today by yeah. was it Dr. Jim. Was it Dr. Jim? I thought you sent it. No, I didn't send it. it. No, I, I thought it was I think, from you. I'm pretty sure it was Dr. Jim, but uh, if you haven't seen it, oh. we have put it on our Patreon page. Uh, we may even put it up on our sort of Facebook page as well. But uh, for those in Australia, particularly here in Melbourne where I'm uh, recording from, uh, COVID is uh, nearly over uh, in our neck of the woods and the uh, airlines are trying to get people back on aeroplanes and travelling and doing all sorts of things. So, um, look, if you are in a country where that's not happening yet, sympathies to you. But we have been in heavy lockdown here in Melbourne. Yeah. B hasn't been. She's yeah. in Coffs Harbour, by the way. But uh, in excess, the song called What You Need has been used by Virgin Airlines as a you know catch song to get people getting back to what they need, which is travel. Now, I can share with listeners, yeah. after a bit of research and putting this little video on today, it's about a 45-second, 60-second uh, mashup of in excess is what you need in a couple of little parts jammed together. And there's a young girl on there who actually was on American Idol, I believe, about 12 months oh. ago doing Dance Monkey. And I think she's oh. only 12, but she does these cool little dance moves to what you need. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the one where she's doing the hands to the left and the hands to the right, going down yeah. the aisle way, then up the yeah. escalator, is yeah. the price of admission alone that you it, need to check this out. 
It actually reminds me of that movie, um, is it Little Miss Sunshine? Yeah, she looks a yeah. little bit like her, doesn't she? Yeah, I but, thought that uh, as soon as I saw it. It's yeah. good. Yeah, and, 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 you know, here's the funny thing. Sometimes artists can, you know, flog off music, you know, for advertising and sorts of things like that. And In Excess have done that occasionally, not very often in their career, but I think, you know, the this song and the way the the uh, the video has been formulated and the and the and the residence behind it, you know, let's get back to travel and this is what you need. It really makes the song and the the cause and then the video all jam together. And you put a, a you know a little sweetheart yeah. in there uh, with the mum, the daughter yeah. at the airport. It's very shareable, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's sometimes things yeah. like this. That, share it with everyone. Yeah, it's sometimes things like this that actually get songs back into the charts where you know they start recharting, mm-hmm. you know, because. Um, people go, oh, you know, young people, what's that song? That's really cool. Oh, yeah, that was 1985 in excess. Wow, that sounds pretty cool. I might download that. Um, yeah. And it reminds me of that video a few weeks ago that we shared around our platforms with the American guy in his room who was putting on what you need for the first time. He's this uh, American, uh, African-American guy who was getting real funky with the, the tunes <laughs> of what you need. He goes, I like the saxophone on this, you know, and it was really cool. But um, it's such a great song, as we all know, and um, I'm going to go in a limbo and say I reckon this is going to rechart in Australia I in the next do. couple of weeks. I, 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 I would like to think it, and I reckon you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you know what else? It'll make me look and you look really cool with my kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, we shall see. So, um, look, uh, we will get that out on our platform, especially for overseas uh, I guess listeners who probably don't have access to that ad on their main channels. Uh, this is this is pretty cool, and this is I think this is where art, commerce, and sort of music come together uh, for a good cause. So uh, check it out, which is pretty cool. Mm. All right, uh, next on our list uh, is John Stevens, who we've mentioned a few times. Uh, Laurie, John Stevens from Noiseworks uh, and originally from Inexcess <laughs> as well. <laughs> Laurie, he was singing in Inexcess for a while and obviously Noiseworks. He uh, is resuming his uh, Inexcess Noiseworks tour uh, in New Zealand, which is totally COVID-free. So mm-hmm. uh, for our New Zealand listeners out there, on March the 4th and... Uh, I guess March the 5th, I think on the 4th is in Wellington, uh, which is the capital of New Zealand, and then the 5th is in Auckland playing all Vinny Sessa's greatest hits and Noiseworks' greatest hits. So uh, John, who some of you saw singing at our Melbourne Cup the other week, singing Never Tear Us Apart, great singer, great guy, great friend of the band, and as Andrew said repeatedly, you know, people need to hear these in excess songs if we're not doing them anymore. So if you are in New Zealand, tickets are going yeah. on sale uh, in the next week or two, so uh, go and get those. Uh, more news, B. It's been a jam-packed week or two. It has, uh, isn't it? Yeah. Our friend John Lamoureux from the Hustle uh, podcast, mm. who has actually, I think, shared his podcast on our, uh, uh, on our sort of platforms. He's just yeah. done uh, and completed an interview with uh, Nick Lornay, who uh, was the famous producer of the Swing album. And yes. uh, I thought we were doing deep dives, B. You know, we do, what, about an hour and a half per week? Is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. His, ep- his episode with Nick went two hours and 53 <gasps> minutes. No way. Yeah. So I'm up to about two <laughs> hours and 12. But, um, yeah, it's, look, it's a great interview with Nick. Uh, the first 30, 40 minutes is dedicated probably to NXS, then goes into Midnight Oil, uh, and then goes into the band called The Church. Uh, for those who don't know, had a big hit in America, America called Under the Milky Way. Uh, it then goes into Silverchair. I think it then goes into Public Image Limited. Um, I'm still catching up with the last parts of it. But uh, it's a fantastic deep dive. And, you know, John's a class, 
interviewer and uh, researcher and uh, I would say for NXS fans, yeah. check it out. And music, music fans in general, check it out. Yeah. Uh, it is a great listen. Um, yeah. Also, too, uh, Valet. Um, we unfortunately lost uh, a very famous bass player uh, mm-hmm. in Australia this week, and that was a guy called uh, Wayne Bones Hillman. Now, the name may not mean a lot to people, but he was probably the principal bass player from 1987 to now with Midnight Oil. So I know Midnight Oil have had a, a, a big presence worldwide. They've sold over five or six million albums in America, uh, and he was a great bass player. Um, we will reference him a little bit later in the show, but um, I know Gary uh, Gary Beers came out this week and uh, put a uh, sort of a, a I guess a homage out to him and his family and uh, respect uh, I guess from one bass player to another. Uh, and given we are going to talk a bit about Gary this week, I guess there is a sort of a you know a synchronicity uh, with talking yeah. about Bones. But uh, yeah, he was only sort of in his sixties and. Obviously, lost too early, and um, we say uh, valet to him and his family. All right, and I guess, you know, uh, to lighten things up a little bit, B, uh, Media Wars, uh, you know, it's been going pretty heavy lately. We've had Andrew being up by Kirk, and then we've had Kirk being up by Gary, and uh, we've had Tim slightly being up by the newspapers, even though he hasn't wanted to. But uh, uh, And then Triple M, you know, he got involved with that. And, yeah. And, and then John's, mm-hmm. John, the quiet one, he's hiding, uh, mm-hmm. not part of Media Wars. Uh, but I can safely say, B, that all the band members this last seven to ten days yeah. have put down their guns and it's a nil-all draw. Nobody has, has gratuitously sought out the media for any articles. They're um, up to something. Yeah. So I think there's They're something going something. on behind the scenes. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm thinking <laughs> Andrew Media Street Farris is, uh, <laughs> I reckon he's plotting something. I think Kirk, I know Kirk through his lovely wife, Elaine, she's been on Media Street at the moment with her new business mm. and things. But, uh, yeah, I've just yeah, probably Kirk and, and Andrew, they're the ones who are probably brewing it, don't you think? Yeah, I reckon. They're doing something, yeah. aren't they? But that's it for News of the Week. Okay. Hey, this is Tim Farris, and you're listening to Access All Areas with Hayden and B. Hey. And now for Topic of the Week. I got two pale hands up against the window pane. I'm shaking with the heat of my need again. Starts in my feet, reverbs up to my brain. There's nothing I can do to revert your gain. I'm looking down to the street below. There's nothing in the way they move to show. They too know what I know. They too hunger for the beast below. Listening to the radio, I feel so out of place. There's a certain something missing that the trouble can't erase. All right, B, Gary, Gary Beers. We just heard a bit of a theme there, Addicted to Bass. I thought that was a little handy homage to our bass guitar theme today. Uh, it's a good sound of bass guitar, isn't it? 
Very, especially Gary's. My goodness. Yeah. Sure. Well, what we like to do, we do a bit of a deep dive into a band member, give a little bit of a background uh, of them and how it is that they came to be in excess and then really just talk about, you know, their career, their involvement, their contribution, um, you know, the fans, you know, favourites and all those type of things behind them. And uh, we're going to sort of do that with sort of Gary today. Um, like, uh, I guess, a majority of the band, Gary was born in Sydney, although some were born in Perth and Melbourne, but uh, Gary was probably the original Sydney uh, band member uh, that came. Uh, I yeah. guess came got involved with Dr. Dolphin B. I know you've mentioned them mm. a few times and uh, yeah. they were a little bit of a uh, an early incarnation of In Excess before the Farris Brothers, yeah? Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, I got little stories myself, but you look, you, you just carry no on, I'll, I'll interject later. No problems. <laughs> now, Gary has the dubious honour of being the oldest person in the band, B. He is 63, mm. um, oh. but doesn't look 63, I guess, no. a byproduct of good living in LA. Yes, he looks uh, And he, uh, I guess, has, uh, well, obviously known for playing the bass, um, also plays the double bass. So uh, for those who aren't musically inclined, I guess the bass is probably your more general guitar. Double bass is more of that uh, sort of bigger guitar version that's generally sitting up vertically, almost like a cello. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, if you do look at the By My Side film clip, you will see Gary playing the double bass during that song. Mm-hmm. If you see the Sting film clip for uh, Every Breath You Take, you'll see what a double bass looks like. But um, one of the interesting things for Gary, he's always been quite versatile. Um, he has got keyboard abilities and has played keyboards live with the band. Uh, vocally, probably not so much on backup vocals <coughs> uh, with the band. Uh, is capable of playing the guitar. Uh, and also very, very much so a, a quite a, a qualified producer. Um, Gary did, uh, as I'll elaborate a bit later, uh, created and set up a studio in Australia called Mangrove Studios uh, that uh, in New South Wales has uh, seen the lights of many bands going and record since the year 2000. So I'll talk about that a bit later. Um, in terms of the sound, well, I think the bass has often a, you know, it, it's a really interesting deep sort of sound. And we're going to play some riffs in a moment that highlight Gary's contrib- contribution in excess. But one of the things, you know, for those, you know, who are like me aren't totally musically inclined with all the technical side, there is a, a strong relationship, you know, between Gary and John. Um, if you watch Excess play live or in, in concerts and things, you'll always see Gary up the top right-hand section looking from the crowd area. Um, and, you know, the, the relationship between the bass player and uh, the drummer is, is particularly important. And, one of the things we've talked about over time is the versatility of In Excess to be able to play dance, rock, you know, funk, you know, country, you know, tinged uh, sounds, acoustic, jangly pop, um, a whole variety of things. And how the bass interplays with the drummer is particularly important. And I did a bit of research, B, over the last couple of days just to sort of, I guess, try to put it into sort of a, a musician's sort of wording. So I'm just going to read this thing out. I, I saw this on, uh, I think, Reddit and... It's basically explaining how the relationship works. I'm going to try to relate it to in excess for the listeners. Um, Every drum or bass relationship can be different. Neither one is always the one who leads. Uh, The person who says he's been in bands where the drummer followed me and other times where, you know, the bass player followed the drummer. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it changes from one song to the next. There's there's a lot of nonverbal negotiation on a split second by second basis. Ideally, you you come to an agreement that, that way uh, where you're playing off each other, making the song better and great. Mm -hmm. You're right that it depends on the genre though. In jazz, you often won't follow the kick, uh, the kick 
kick drum because it's doing accents rather than keeping the beat. In that case, you would sync with the ride or the snare. This is drum terminology, B. Uh, in I funk, can see you're getting excited. Yeah, in funk sounds, you would usually focus on leaving gaps for the snare drum. In rock and blues and progressive, you might also always lock in with the, the kick drum. In country, you both try not to fall asleep while the singer draws about his truck. Uh, I think, <laughs> you know, country singers like to talk about their truck. I get to say that I live in Kentucky, says this gentleman. The only important thing is that the bass player and drum listen to what each other is playing and work together. And I think when you uh-huh. do, uh, and if you go back and listen to John, like we've done in our deep dive and now with Gary, um, you know, another way of listening and appreciating music is maybe just try it with your ears, is isolate those two sounds and how they play off each other and give each other space. Um, which sort of leads me now mm-hmm. to use some examples of this where we're going to get into some of the, some of the riffs and some of the, the famous sounds yeah. that Gary is well known for uh, in yes. NXS and we'll come back and, and we'll talk now about Now you're that. talking. Let's yeah. do that. Okay. Yes.
dark of night These faces, they haunt me But I wish you were so close to me Yes, I wish you were by All right, B. Well, I guess, you know, there's quite a lot of sounds there where we've sort of just drilled down to the Gary sections of some of those songs. Um, got a real propulsing sort of pivotal sound to the band, hasn't he? Mm, mm. It really, like, resonates, don't, isn't it, like, deep? <laughs> yeah. So, Good. you know, when we look back uh, to some of those particular songs, there, I know Cut Your Roses Down particularly, uh, Gary played that sort of in his studio the other week. Um, it's just it's just got that really sort of uh, Motown-y fun thing going which is just awesome here i think uh, what you need is one of yeah. your favorites good and bad times i think on the listen like thieves album is very heavy yeah. gary i think i think that the sounds with gary between the mm-hmm. swing and listen like thieves is some really prominent bass sort of parts uh and i also think around welcome to wherever you are with strange desire that we heard on there which is a really underrated song it's got a fantastic bass and sort of salsa rhythm going uh, and that's just where him and John, as I said earlier, really working well together with that sort of dual sound. And then you've got Michael's sort of dreamy sort of lyrics over the top. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going into, you know, Full Moon Dirty Hearts. I mean, Gary had a real prominent sort of sound involvement on that. So um, it's a different type of sound, as you can probably hear now, can compare to normal rhythm and lead guitar. But I think that's what makes In Excess so versatile that, you do have a bass player, I guess, who is, is, is accompanying the percussion. And then you've got Tim and Kurt coming in on sort of lead and rhythm guitars. Um, it's a real melting pots of sounds all sort of combining together, B. Mm-hmm. Very good. Now, just in terms of sort of Gary taking a deeper dive, um, In Excess were probably, I won't say generous, but probably in the early albums, they did sort of co-credit most of the, the first two, three albums with both, most band members getting a songwriting credit. Uh, probably the most well-known song that Gary has a songwriting credit on that's only with maybe Andrew and, say, Michael, is actually the song Listen Like Thieves, which um, I guess, uh, you know, Gary took a prominent role in the writing of that song. Uh, and I think you can hear the sort of the bass elements in that. Uh, and again, actually, being on the list. Actually, Hayden. Yeah. Before you, before you go on, because I read something earlier, because I did a little bit of research, that um, about Andrew and um, Gary used to do quite a lot of um, songwriting before Michael came back from Hong Kong. Did you yeah. know that? No, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I mean, again, what made it actually onto actual albums? You know, I think Gary, I, I just think that Gary's got this treasure chest of songs that seemingly, mm. I don't know why he hasn't sort of put more material out outside the band. Not saying, um, well, that's actually wrong. He's, he's got lots of side projects we'll go in a moment, but maybe he's just under his own banner and things like that. And maybe he just doesn't want to be the front guy and, and do solo stuff. But yeah. Um, he's been prolific with other other side projects, but not uh, his own sort of specific material. Mm. Um, uh, Gary, uh, I guess, uh, also uh, was prominent in the songwriting behind the song Perfect Stranger off the Switch album, and that was a top, I think, 20 hit in uh, Canada. 
Uh, and he did co-write that with a lady called Shelley, I think, Pekin, who's a very well-known songwriter and written lots of things for bands around the world. Um, Gary also, uh, I guess, uh, back in uh, the break era of the kick, post-kick album, uh, set up a side band with uh, a friend of the band called Sean Kelly, who, uh, as we've mentioned, uh, fronts the models. And we've highlighted here in tribute cover versions earlier in episodes. Um, they, Absent Friends was the band and also had a lead singer there called Wendy Matthews. They had one of the biggest selling albums in 1989 called, uh, I think he's looking up your address. Uh, and the major hit off that was uh, Nobody Like You. Uh, and that was, uh, again, the song of the year off that particular album, the ARIA charts or the ARIA awards, which is our version of the Grammys down here. So that was a big, big success for Gary. And I know they went on tour in, uh, in Europe uh, and America and different places behind that. And uh, eventually they ironically supported in excess across Europe, although Gary yeah. had, couldn't play both gigs. Uh, you know, he had a, another guy come in and play the bass parts of that. But, um, yeah, absent friends, I think our friend of the podcast pa- uh, patron, uh, Pedro, that's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? Yeah. Friend of the patron pa- mm. uh, podcast, Pedro, uh, <laughs> has bought that album and arrived, I think, in Portugal this week, according to uh, Facebook Messenger. Um, Gary also uh, had a band, a shortly band, and recorded an album with uh, a guy called uh, Jack Jones, who was uh, for the Aussie listeners of our podcast, uh, fronted a band here called Southern Sons. They had a band they set up in the year 2000 called Mudhead and recorded an album together. Uh, In 2008, Gary, whilst in LA, uh, was working with the late Scott Whelan from, uh, or Scott Weiland from Stone Temple Pilots. Uh, And Mm. uh, they had a song called Tangle With Your Mind that uh, Gary co-wrote with Scott. Uh, and sadly, Scott's no longer with us, but um, I know the the reverence that Gary's held in, you know, he's done a lot of session work and been a bit of a gun for hire for other artists looking for a great bass player uh, in California. Uh, 2015, Kieran uh, Gribben, who uh, came in and did some guest vocals within excess towards their end of their live touring in Australia and overseas, uh, they put together a, a little side project, side project called Stadium in uh, the year 2015. You can probably YouTube some of their material. Um, and now, as we all know, in the last 12, 18 months, he's put together a band called Ash and Moon, who's mm-hmm. uh, signed a, a worldwide publishing deal and, and record deal. And I think they're going to, you know, they're going to definitely make their way. And they've had two singles come out and we've given them a lot of kudos on this podcast yeah. series. So Gary, I think, yeah. s- strikes me as a real sort of music auteur. He, he never likes to sit still you know, doing nothing. Um, uh, he's, no. he's always either writing, recording, producing. I just uh, would love to hear more stuff um, and, and, and see him uh, get more of his own material out there. But maybe just put it through some of these side projects and he feels comfortable being the side guy, not the main guy. Yeah, but again, he's on uh, social media a fair bit now, isn't he? I think Toby's been good for him. They're yep. really good friends. He's really help, helped him come out a little bit more and do stuff. Yeah. Well, I think you know, it's think? one of the things now with artists and, and rock music. It's it, Rock music's not quite getting the support in the mainstream sort of, you know, radio sort of uh, platforms that it used to get. And I think through digital, uh, you know, access and through, you know, Facebook and, and other platforms of communication, 
Um, artists have never been more sort of closely aligned to their fan base than ever. Um, mm-hmm. And we're very fortunate to experience this in what we do. And, you know, whether it's getting texts or tweets or, or in, uh, engagement through some of the people we talk about, um, Nick Egan particularly. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, look, you know, we would sort of say get on uh, uh, to some of the platforms and Google some of those particular uh, artists, you know, Absent Friends, Mudhead, Stadium, Ash and Moon, because you will hear a lot of Gary's underlying sort of uh, base sort of roots uh, sort of behind uh, some of those sounds there. Yeah. Uh, I find him a, quite a contradiction though, old Gary, don't you? Well, look, I think if I just sum Gary up a little bit, like to me, and this is not, not a, 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 a getting criticism, he's probably the least known personality of the band. Um, he's up the back right-hand section. Um, the bass itself is an instrument that's in some respects uh, visually on stage. He's not a... Um, it's not the, it's not a, a drummer bashing away. It's not a guitarist running across the stage. Uh, the sheer nature of the bass instrument is more of a stationary position. Uh, it would look mm-hmm. a bit silly trying to play the bass guitar doing an Angus Young across the stage, you know. <laughs> so by sheer definition, <laughs> I'm of the sure instrument, there were some nights you may have tried that, <laughs> especially with the double bass going across the stage, <laughs> you know. So, um, but so why I thought he was a contradiction is just the fact that you know he was a rugby player and the yeah. fact that he was like the surfer and and then now he's like the humble guy at the back. Well, you I know, think, it's uh, just like. Like it, mm. I, I can say the most sort of striking time where I think Gary's personality showed was when we spoke a few weeks ago about around 1993 around the uh, the small clubs and pubs and unis tour. Uh, they were just mm. uh, coming off Welcome to Wherever You Are. They they were not far away from releasing uh, Full Moon Dirty Hearts. Uh, and Gary, when he was playing live, now I don't, <laughs> I can't quite articulate what it is, but you know he's wearing one of those sort of. Um, sarong type things where, you know, uh, that red outfit he was wearing, you know, where sarongs. I don't know, sarong, I don't know, you know, he was wearing that outfit where I, I don't think he had any underpants on. <laughs> I don't want to know. Look at the, guys, look at the Heaven Sent live at the Aria Awards and look at the red outfit mm. that Gary's wearing. He wore that yes. for the whole tour. I can't even describe what it is. But the loyal yeah, fans out there will know what it is and they'll probably know where it's at. <laughs> Heaven Sent Live, 1993 ARIA Awards. You'll see what I'm talking about. But, but that's where Gary became like, what's Gary wearing? He's wearing some bloody crazy outfit. He's he goes, free. I get, I think he might be wearing it in the gift film clip as well, I think, also. Um, so, but yeah. Oh, my God. I've got to tell you a story about something completely different because okay. it's just right. reminded me. Okay, go for it. So there was a woman come towards me with a caftan on. All right. She was in a late, in her 70s. And I said, and there's a song called Cool in the Caftan. Yeah. You heard yeah. that song? And I just said, oh, Cool in the Caftan. She goes, yes, baby. She says, I wear nothing anymore since I retired. I went, right. okay. and I'm like, don't look, babe. Don't look. And then she comes back and she's like, off with the fairies. I says, are you okay? She goes, oh, I just smoked so much joints last night. And I says, and that's what happens, you know, you just, <laughs> you retire and you take off all your underwear and you wear a caftan every day. She's from Nimbin? <laughs> Was she from Nimbin? <laughs> no, she looked Nimbin's really well to do, the out, actually. Outback New South Wales area where anyway, if you don't smoke marijuana, you're deemed to be odd. <laughs> anyway, back to the anyway, podcast. Um, <laughs> so we'll straighten up a bit. But, yeah, Gary's probably most personality was during that particular tour where he, it was all like, well, Gary's wearing and such there. But he probably is sort of the understated one of the band, you know, a little bit, you know, from a stage presence point of view, you know, he's in his sort of one spot doing his thing. Um, 
I, you know, there's not the antics across the stage. You don't really see sort of the vocals, etc. Um, but his sound and his sort of partnership with John, I think hopefully the listeners sort of through this sort of podcast and topic so far can just see the linkage between the two, how that, that, that bass and that drum sort of sets up, you know, the guitars and then the vocals. It's almost like an order of things that goes there. And I think some of Inexcess's most listenable and catchy material that still resonates to this day has got mm. some of Gary's big bass lines on it, as we sort of heard before. Very distinctive. Now, the thing we're going to close off a little bit with, Gary, is just talk about some anecdotes, some, some little sort of stories and things that sort of uh, resonate. I probably just went through one before about his outfit. Um, tell us about the desert story, B. I know you've read story to story, and I've read it Ooh. a few years ago, but I, I forgot yeah. about this desert story. Do you want to share with the listeners? Did you? Yeah, so the desert story. So, um, yeah, they decided um, that they would go across the, is it the Nunnabal Plains? Is that, or the Nunnabal no, Desert? the Nullabor. The Nunnabor. The Nullabor. <laughs> Nullabor. It's an indigenous desert. word for funky bass lines. Okay. okay. Anyway. Get with right. it. So, I'm back. So, they went across the desert. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they decided to take some acid at the same time, do oh. a bit of a doors. Oh, Why not? Okay. Yeah. But they drove. Oh. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and, and Tim decided after an hour he couldn't do it anymore and he couldn't handle it. So, anyway, Kirk and Gary decided to do it. I don't know where Michael was at this point. Who else? With Andrew somewhere yeah. writing the lyrics. What era was and this? Anyway, was they early saw- days? Yeah, it was when they were at the Farris Brothers still yep, okay. and they were on their way to, yeah. So anyway, they're on the way and uh, they could see a dark shape appearing in the middle of the road and uh, whoever was driving just kept going. I think it was Kirk and it got closer and closer and it was a dead, bloated, old, rotting kangaroo and they hit it at 110. <laughs> oh, as you do. <laughs> and it stank the whole It went splat. <laughs> Yuck. Yeah. Oh, now, for, for overseas listeners, <laughs> overseas listeners, the idea of hitting a kangaroo is probably akin to hitting a deer or something like that up in the northern American area. Um, they're not uncommon that that occurs. Um, in so much so that in Australia, a lot of big vans and things and cars have rhubars on them as a, you know, a, a reference to kangaroo bars. They have them on the front of the vehicle. So, uh-huh. Um, and they kept yeah. driving, I assume. Because <laughs> <laughs> they were so off their chops. They yeah. just thought, oh, there's something there. Let's hit it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, a little anecdote. Gary does a B-side off uh, oh, is it Suicide Blonde or Disappear. It might be Disappear. I think it is. And the song was called Middle Beast. And me and a bunch of uh, highly testosterone-charged lads in 93 when we went to one of the club pubs and unis tour, and uh, Michael was almost gesturing for requests, and we all at the front were yelling out, Middle Beast, Middle Beast, Middle Beast. 
and Gary broke into a little three-second riff. So that was that was sort of got our chops off, so to speak. Um, uh, another couple of anecdotes about uh, Gary. I alluded to earlier, uh, Mangrove Studios. It's known as the Grove Studios now, but um, Gary sold that a few years ago, I think before heading to LA. Um, they're a very famous bunch of studios where bands like Birds of Tokyo, I think even Powderfinger and other major bands have recorded from. And I guess in Australia where recording costs were historically high to go into city-based studios to record material, Gary uh, and his farm and big areas out in the uh, sort of the outer New South Wales sort of um, country area set up this mangrove studios and, and you know, he, he rented it out or leased it out for bands to come record. But I think, you know, charged them a very, very fair rate so they could get in and put some great material together. And I know that uh, I think Silverchair recorded there. A lot of famous artists uh, did go there. And uh, if you do Google it, you probably have to go to what it's called mm-hmm. the Grove Studios, as it's called now. It used to be called Mangrove. But that was a big contribution to the Australian music scene that Gary did that helped a lot of emerging bands, you know, just get, get a platform and, and get a forum to, to record. Um, uh, also recently, Gary has been on a podcast called Appetite for Distortion, as opposed to Appetite for Destruction. Uh, if you Google the episode search for episode 198 and want to hear a deep dive into Gary uh, and just what he's doing at the moment, uh, I do recommend uh, <coughs> recommend that. Um uh, and as we said earlier, you know, Gary is based, uh, he's the only, uh, I guess, band member who's based, I think, overseas these days. Uh, all the other sort of band members, I think, are in sort of Sydney and, uh, you know, the greater Sydney area, whereas Gary's in LA, uh, obviously has a family and a sort of a, a base over there. Um, but uh, I know he misses his rugby, he misses his football, he misses his Australian way of life. But with Ash and Moon emerging, I guess it's the place to be for him, B. Yes, and I can't wait to hear what else they're going to be bringing out because it's, it's absolute magic, isn't it, what they're doing? I love it. They've yeah. really, really got a good sound. Well, look, you know, we, uh, we'd love to get him on and get him to, to, to go into some of that sort of stuff as well. So, look, what we can say with all of these particular close-off parts of our, our, our band member deep dive is, is thank you uh, sincerely for what you've done. Not only is the music an important part of what you've done, but I think back to Inexcess's story, you know, the journey of, of joining and being a part of a band and enduring and, and not giving up and not quitting and being part of that sort of unit of six, going through all the things together, like B said, you know, going across the country countless times, following young John over to mm. Perth, we had to go, you know, with the Farris parents. Um, you know, Gary uh, probably has missed out on a few different events and awards and functions that the band have been a part of here in Australia the last few years because he's been in LA, but it's been good seeing Gary get back for, I think, the uh, 2017, uh, you know, six-time platinum celebration. I think the 50 million album celebration. There's certain things that he comes back for and there's some things that he does from afar. Um, but more than anything, uh, Gary, Gary Beers, this is our ode to you. This is your life from In Excess Access All Areas. And uh, as the theme earlier said, we're addicted to bass. Yeah, and continue and continue because we can't get enough. This is Lori from Chicago, and now it's time for Pleasure and Pain. All right, B, Pleasure and Pain Week with a twist this week. Now, you don't know what's coming up because I like to surprise mm-hmm. you, but mm-hmm. uh, there is a little bit of a twist on this week, but uh, it is going to be 1990 where um, you were turning 13, I think. Do you, have right? to, do you have to say my age, do you? I don't, well... I heard my, even my 11-year-old this morning said to me, 
You don't ask a woman her age and you never ask a man how much he earns. Okay. 11. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, look, I'm going to go, th- we're doing something a little bit different, but uh, I'm going to go to the good ones, which is probably eight songs here that represented some musical uh, harmony and music to my ears in 1990. Uh, and we'll play these and then we'll come back and we'll sort of share uh, both your thoughts on these songs, B. Uh, and I'll give a little anecdote or two on these as well. So, Okay, then here we go. 1990. I can eat my dinner in a fancy
All right, B. Nothing compares to you. Okay, my oh. song to you. <laughs> oh, what do you want? Nothing. <laughs> oh, oh, it was beautiful. I remember it coming on to the top of the pops and yeah. um, her crying and the tear, the video the clip of the tear. Huh? Oh, but it it wasn't it supposed to have been for someone, wasn't it? Prince was supposed to. Well, he, yeah, what, it was a Prince me, song. What's he, the story? Well, it's a Prince song he wrote he for wrote one of his it. offshoot sort of bands called The Family, um, I think. And mm-hmm. he ended up, you know, giving it to them. And he, I think he put it out in one of his uh, compilations, in the B side compilations. But uh, yeah, I think in back in the days, uh, Sinead had heard about it and then re recorded it. And look, I think it, it's one of those great examples where the cover is, is, is much better than the original, in my opinion. Yeah. And the yeah, charts are great. Absolutely. Well, all right. Next one there was Free Fall and Tom Petty. What do you think of that, B? I like that song. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go out my way to play it, but when I hear it, I like to uh, have a little sing. It comes on the radio. Got to listen to the whole thing. Love the film clip, but mm. sort of, it sort of name checks LA. Uh, love the skating skateboard film clip. Mm. Uh, to me, love it. Uh, third one, getting to a little bit of gothy sort of rock thing happening here. A uh, bit of a reference to last week with Nick, uh, but enjoy the silence Depeche Mode. I've that would have been that would have been alternative enough for your ears in those days, wouldn't it? Like quite young, wasn't I back then? If I remember <laughs> rightly, and uh, yeah, it was very. Where was I? <laughs> <laughs> no problems. Okay, uh, next one down there. Uh, I remember you by Skid Row. Talk about 1990s sort of hair metally type bands. Uh, great song. I don't like a lot of hair metal bands, but this one, great lyric, great emotion, uh, great tune. Uh, I remember you. Uh, next one, okay, guilty pleasure here. Hold on by Wilson Phillips. Now, B, I think I had to remind you of this song, and, and I was forced to sing it off air. Is that oh right? Oh my god, yes, you were. Oh, <laughs> it, it, the, uh, <laughs> I think my ears are still bleeding. <laughs> now, now, B does work in a hearing aid sort of support place, so she may have to. Uh, she may have to uh, use some of the merchandise because I probably pierced her ears. But um, look, uh, we'll, we'll stick with their version. Uh, that was in the bridesmaid uh, film clip at the uh, sorry the movie at the end. So uh, look, uh, mm-hmm. I did a bit of a guilty one. I bought it on seven inch uh, vinyl. <laughs> I don't know what I was doing, but for some reason I liked the song and I still like it. All right, it's next a shame one. You can't uh, sing it. <laughs> just quickly getting out of really soft poppy '99. I'm going to go back into something hardcore. Uh, the pioneers of industrial. Uh, uh, metal, almost uh, rap at the time with a bit of rock swagger and dance. They had the whole thing going. It was Nine Inch Nails, Head Like a Hole. Uh, film clip still mm. scares me. Trent Reznor with his yeah. long hair and plaited sort of hair swinging around. It's uh, still a great yeah. song and clip. Uh, next one there was Fool's Gold, probably the band that's Ooh. inspired Oasis, the Stone Roses, B. Oh, I love the Stone Roses. Love, love, love Stone Roses. Yeah, not a lot of lyrics in that song, but just a great dancey sort mm. of tune, that sort of real acidy Clever. dance house music rock thing going yeah. in 89, 90, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah loved it. Yeah, yeah and the look, Hacienda. The Hacienda, yep, in Manchester. Yeah. And then and yeah. the next one there, sonically, a bit similar to Fool's Gold, but uh, it's a song that I first heard live in 1990 at the Melbourne Showgrounds by an Australian band called Noiseworks, which we mentioned earlier with John Stevens. Yeah. And uh, it was a really uh, departure for this sort of rock sound into more of a dance rock thing going. So uh, Freedom by Noiseworks, you know, go check it out because, you know, as it was said, John's a great singer and uh, very versatile, but uh, that was hitting the airwaves around 1990 for me. All right. Now, what do we normally do here, B? We normally go to the 
to the uh, the bad. Is that right? We do. The stinkers. Okay. Well, you know what? There was so much great material in 1990. We're going to do two lots of good today. Ooh, nice. And then next time you're going to do your two lots of good because I know you've got a plethora of 1990 stuff. And then we're going to really bounce it up. Yeah. We're going to bounce it (laughs) up. Well, I tell you, there is a lot of bad stuff, but there was so much good stuff as well. I just wanted to go out on a limb. So part two of Pleasure and Pain. It's all pleasure today. Uh, Here's part two of the good stuff. I like it. Greetings, New York. This is Minato. We decided to play some songs in the street for you today. We chose a special location. I'll leave you to work out why. For a man who believes in the power of nature and the power of love, the power of people as well.
Coming back, I did mention Bones from Midnight Oil earlier. Uh, King of the Mountain B. Have you heard that before? Not really. Not really. Okay. Well, it's a thumping, rocking song. Great lyrics, great imagery, great sound, great drums, great bass, uh, a ripper. Next one, Crying in the Chapel, Peter Blakely. I don't think you would have heard that one. Nope. My friend Ali, she would have heard of this one because she's, she's a rock chick like me, but Aww. she's a chicken, I'm a guy. But that particular song by a guy called Peter Blakely uh, mm-hmm. was such a uh, song of repute. It won Song of the Year in Australia in 1990, the Ari Awards. So great vocal, mm-hmm. real gospel-y sort of sound. Uh, next one down here, I had a band called Concrete Blonde. Now, a lot of people know the song Joey by Concrete Blonde, but they had another song called Tomorrow Wendy, which um, 
uh, I think probably to this day uh, has aged a fraction better just. So we played that before. Uh, the next one was No Myth by Michael Penn. Now, Michael's got an older, older brother called Sean, who's an actor, B. Oh, yeah. okay. Yes, I think and Michael Madonna's this, first Mi- wife. Uh, yeah, Michael, uh, Madonna's won, first yeah, Michael uh, won plenty of Grammys for this song. And uh, he married Amy Mann, who uh, we've had uh, uh, some of her material played on our podcasts uh, in this section before. Uh, so No Myth, uh, great mm-hmm. song, great tune. Uh, next one, Real Gone Kid by Deacon Blue. Have you heard of them, B? Oh, Remember them, God. Deacon Blue? I loved that song. Yeah, no, it's I a really river, like it? that song. Yeah, it's a great song. Yeah, and the Deacon Blue, just for the nerds out there like me, uh, took their name from a Steely Dan album or song called Deacon Blue. Uh, but they're a Scottish oh. band, and uh, I just love the the yes. build and the climb in that song, B. It's just such a, mm, you know, mm, vocal mm. And, and just such a, a build, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think I had a couple of their albums when I was growing up. Yep. Actually, I really enjoyed their music. Yeah, well, they, I like the next one. But yeah, they well, they <laughs> toured out here, I think, a couple of years ago. But um, yeah, the next one here okay. might go down as one of the best names Ooh. of a song, B. Kinky Afro. Yeah. Huh? Yahoo! <laughs> now, does he use the word lyric kinky Afro in the song? I don't know if it does, but uh, I just know that uh, this song has special memories for me by the Happy Mondays. Mm. Not so much at the time. I, 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 it's something that I, I probably picked up on a few years after it was released because it was really? almost the soundtrack to a movie called 24 Hour Party People by, uh, mm. well, Steve Coogan was in it and by Michael Winterbottom, which is about the music scene and the Hacienda. So uh, the Happy Mondays were a big part of that. And Kinky Afro is a song that uh, still resonates today, B. That was part of your yeah. journey. Twisting my melon, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, interesting, that sort of fusion sound, wasn't it? Around Great album. The 90s. Yeah, loved it. And then the next one, oh, my God. Yeah, same era, same, same, same yes. vibe with Primal Scream. I'm getting Scream. very excited now. <laughs> yeah, well, sorry, I was going to say like Primal Scream is actually his Primal Scream, but I think Happy mm. Mondays, Primal Scream, uh, Stone Roses, they're all part of that yeah. Manchester fusion dance, acid sort of jazzy sort it of rock really good. Sound, really you know? good times to be then. It and really the song was. was called Loaded, Loaded. which... Uh, was such a great sound and great production on it still. Yeah, yeah. Um, I saw them in concert and just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and mm. the last one down here might go down to the weirdest, well, I, I thought the Kinky Afro might have been one of the <laughs> coolest names. This one might go down as one of the weirdest uh, el- uh, uh, song titles. It's called Onion Skin. Again, a lot of mm-hmm. my Aussie-connected uh, listeners on here will know this one by a band called Boom Crash Opera. Uh, and Onion Skin was a, a, probably one of their biggest hits here and overseas. Uh, but, yeah, it was doing the rounds around 1990 and was off their uh, These Hero Crazy Times album, which is still one of the best Aussie albums, I think, of its time. So, uh, B, that's me locked and loaded with my pleasures. I couldn't, there was nothing too painful today. No, it's interesting. Very interesting to um, hear so much that you found there. Yep. So let's hope I can come up with some goods next week. Yeah, I know you have to trim your massive list you were telling me earlier, but that's fine. I'm sure we'll get there. <laughs> Not my massive outro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is Felicia Marie from All right, B, we get to this part of the week where it's the rap time. Uh, over to you. We talk about fan engages of the week. Who have we got? 
Special mention to some um, new top fans this week. We've got Lisa Tyndall, Jose, Juliet Martin, and Tracy Evans. And I also want to give a little shout out to Joseph. Joseph, thank you very much for your contribution. That's very, very humbling. Thank you very, very much. Become patrons, guys. We'd love you on the journey to get this band in the Rock Hall of Fame and get you into all the special competitions and, you know, podcasts and, you know, fan chat rooms and everything like that. So uh, that'd be great. And, and thank you very much for, for just participating. Uh, it's always very, very appreciated. All right. Uh, now, in terms of... Actually, little... actually, actually, oh, actually. Yes? Oh, can I just say one yeah. more thing? I've been speaking to quite a number of people um, and handing out the um, the cue card, and um, I've lost count of how many people that say I say I say I do a podcast for Inexis. It just comes up, obviously, and <laughs> and I said, "Do you like Inexis?" And they say, "Who doesn't like Inexis?" Yeah. Who doesn't like Inexis? Yeah. That's the answer. That's good. So. I'm glad you found us, if you're listening, because you're obviously listening, so you can hear. Yeah. And uh, go tell your mates. Well, one of the things that leads into that is that we do competitions with uh, valuable patrons and new patrons, et cetera, as well. So um, I do know that uh, over the last week or two, you know, Nick Egan's, you know, such an engager in our podcast community. He has actually come up with a prize or prizes for what I think is probably uh, for music lovers and passionate music lovers, one of the best prizes uh, that you could think of. Now, mm. essentially, I'll try to explain this, B, but the famous album cover of Kick, which we all know and the big fold-out cover and everything that's been sort of there and done and it's in 20 million people's, you know, uh, shelves and record collections and CD collections, etc., and in their online libraries and all sorts of stuff, Nick has decided to go back and recreate the Kick cover. Is that right? Yeah, but you Exciting. Like, yeah. I've seen it and it's great. At what least, he's going oh, to be what, doing what a gorgeous is man. he's doing a limited edition uh, redux, repurposing of the Kick mm-hmm. album cover for yeah. I think uh, it could be two, maybe three lucky listeners over the course of now through think, the Christmas. Yeah, we'll, we'll go. Oh, no, we're going to go two, I reckon. No, two? we're not going to go three. Yep, just two. two. Okay, all right. So what, what it ultimately means is we're going to have a, you know, a competition between now and just before Christmas. So uh, what we thought we would do is give away two of these special limited edition uh, album covers. Uh, I believe they're going to be signed, uh, authenticated uh, by Nick uh, yes. with his signature, yes. etc. there. Is that yes. right? And yeah, a proper signature, and they'll be coming all the way from Hollywood into into Coffs Harbour. Yeah, and then we'll send them out from here. Yeah, so the real deal from Great. the designer of the Kick album. Yeah, you're going to get something unique. Yeah, one of the reasons you know Nick's doing this for us is he's really behind our podcast. He really loves mm. what we're trying to achieve, and he really wants to be on the journey of helping getting the band into Hall of Fame. And it's only going to come by more listeners, more participation, more patrons. Um, and creating a juggernaut, you know, for, for, for in excesses, you know, pathways. So what we thought we would do is uh, with the QR codes and the cards that are going out, uh, we thought we would give one uh, of these album covers away to somebody who uh, creates the most referral listeners to our podcast series. Uh, that being, for example, if you have had 10 or 15 people, you know, check in and start Definitely. listening to our podcast, friends, family, fans, you know of, 
um, we can sort of admin this reasonably well, B, can't we? Like, uh, yeah, easy. Yeah. Do you want to explain how we would do that? Yeah. So if you can um, get people to the podcast and then if you can email, get them to email us their email uh, with their name and who referred them, and then we can keep a little tally on that, can't yeah. we? So, so give an example. We've got Carmen tonight at one of the inexcessive uh, tool shows. She's going to be sort of getting people to zap the QR code. Um, and uh, if they sort of listen in uh, and they're a new listener, et cetera, there, um, between Carmen and the person itself who, who, who they meet, uh, we'll have a way of getting that person to sort of recognise they're a new listener uh, and we'll get those details through to our admin team. Uh, and, you know, I think if they email themselves to our admin team, we can highlight, hey, brand new listener, et cetera, there. We might even for those uh, new listeners just send out a, we could even probably send out a lanyard or something like that as a new listener just to verify the actual person, yeah. um, which would be great. Uh, and keep score of that. Uh, so a person who gets the most referral listeners will pick up a album cover. Uh, the second one is, hey. yeah, the second one is, uh, look, you know, as we often said, podcasts, we're self-funded uh, and we're also jointly funded by our patrons. We don't really have sponsorship. Uh, we don't have uh, Virgin Airlines yet, B. Yet, <laughs> uh, that'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, we don't have a made sponsor at all. So we really do this for our own money and the valuable contributions of our patron group. Um, so if there was uh, any person out there who refers uh, patrons to our community and group, again, easily tradable through the email process, uh, we're going to give out a cover, uh, an album cover to that person as well. So this goes up to Christmas Eve. Uh, yes. So I think uh, it's uh, the time of releasing this podcast. It is uh, 33 days. So um, you will get your own limited edition. Uh, there's only five of these in the world. Um, yes. And we will be honest, B. I think I'm getting one and you're getting one. <laughs> we're going to fess up here. And we're going we to have... going to confess. <laughs> and there was one more. Where was the other one going? <laughs> I'm going to, um, when we have our party, I'm going to oh, give yes. it away. As, well, no, I'm going to auction it off. Not we're going to have an auction on that I'm going to auction. Yeah, we're going to have an auction at the party. So How do you pronounce we, auction? Pardon? <laughs> I'm just doing the Aussie <laughs> England thing. You go auction <laughs> and I'm going auction and you're going to auction. Auction. <laughs> auction. Yeah. Auction. Okay. The auction. <laughs> the auction. Okay. Yes. So the fifth one we, we, we will get uh, will go out to uh, an auction to raise some money for the podcast. But uh, yeah, we're really, really pumped about this. Like when B, you know, when Nick e emailed and, and posted, I was a little bit confused what it was about. But then reading it and then B explaining, I'm like, wow, getting your own limited edition cover from the creator. Imagine, imagine getting one like, you know, from the, I don't know, Sergeant Peppers or something like that. Or, oh. You know, yeah. kick, kick is a. Is, yeah, <laughs> kick, kick is an iconic top 100 album of all time. And you're going to get the design of that album cover, design his own one for you, which would be awesome. Now, oh. I think I can sort of hear Pedro salivating with his collection in Lisbon, Portugal, <laughs> just at the very and thought. And David. You yeah. can't buy it, Pedro. you got to, you got to win it. <laughs> and right. Joe Robbins, the, the, the queen of kick. Yeah, there we go. So uh, that's very exciting. Um, just a couple of loose ends before we go. Um, next week, uh, it is going to be Calling All Nations. Uh, we do apologise that we did say we'll do it this week, not next week, but we just both win a day with work commitments this week. So we always have a goal, no matter what happens, B, as you know, we get a podcast out every week. 
uh, with our Zoom yeah. one, we, we, we thought also to... I'm not Michael, sleeping tonight. I'm not sleeping <laughs> for two nights to get this edited for Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> well, what we thought also too, putting it on next week actually ties in nicely with, uh, well, not nicely, but, but, but uh, you know, chronologically and time-wise with Michael's unfortunate passing on November 22. So episode 29 will go out on November 22nd. And we thought it'd be a great way, just a bit like the uh, Wembley concert, you know, on any significant in excess milestone, it makes sense to have the community get together, the patrons, and and talk about the things of that day and that milestone. So whether it's Wembley or, in this case, Michael's passing or um, just uh, his life, et cetera, there, or, you know, the you know the anniversary of Australian Made or whatever it might be, significant excess milestones, it's good to get the community together. So um, next week we'll do episode 29, Calling All Nations. It will be known as Remembrance, uh, Remembrance, uh, Remembering Michael. Remembering Michael. I'll get that out of my thing. I'm getting Attack of the Bees. Well, no, because we've just had the 11th, haven't we? I know. Yeah, we've had Remembrance Day and things. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's something we're looking forward to putting together. Um, And, look, we we might even have upwards of 10 to 15 patrons on the actual Zoom call. It could be a a bigger Zoom chat so far, B. Yeah, especially if we've got some new ones coming. Correct, yeah. Um, all right, uh, closing out for this episode, it's been a big theme tonight with Gary Beers, um, the bass guitar that we've spoken a little bit about, um, and also just unfortunately the passing of, of Bones Hillman from Midnight Oil. So what I thought I would do today, it won't be an in excess song we're going out with, but we're going to go out with a song that Gary referenced in his little post this week to uh, Bones's family. Um, uh, Bones was originally from New Zealand and he was actually in a band in the early 80s called The Swingers, okay? And they had a very, very famous song that was sort of, I guess, uh, number one in Australia and New Zealand. Unfortunately, Kmart did what some TV ads do and they take a band song and they just rip it off and add nothing to it, unlike the In Excess What You Need one. Uh, but this particular song uh, has one of the best and the most jealous bass lines I don't know, Gary was jealous of at the time and still is. Uh, and the song is called Counting the Beat. So in homage to uh, Bones and in reference to Gary's love of this song and the theme of the week being in the bass guitar, we're going to go out with Counting the Beat by the Swingers, Ballet Bones. Thank you, Gary, for everything you've done for In Excess. It's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from B. Bye, everyone. All right.
found this guy. A three, four heartbeat.